everyone, I'm Taffney Hopper, and you're listening to Talking Nonprofits, a podcast about the world of nonprofits. Each week, I'll be interviewing a nonprofit leader, and we will discuss their mission and core purpose, their challenges, as well as their victories. We will also take a behind-the-scenes look at how they plan to change the world for good. Follow along so you too can learn how to make a difference in your community. Hello, friends of the Talking Nonprofits podcast. I am still flying high over the interview of Blake Barrow, the executive director of the Rescue Mission of El Paso, where we discuss his transition from being a trial lawyer to obeying the call of God on his life to lead the rescue mission. So tune in and listen. Welcome to the Talking Nonprofits podcast. On the podcast today, we have Mr. Blake Barrow, the Executive Director of the Rescue Mission of El Paso. So tell me, Blake, how did you go from being a trial lawyer to an Executive Director of the Rescue Mission? Oh, okay. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Blake. Good question. I, I moved to El Paso out of law school, was hired at, at Scott & Hulse Law Firm, great big firm here in El Paso, and um, thought I was really happy in practicing law, doing trial work, had more work than I could do, and then God came knocking on the door. So it, it's, it, it's a divine calling, and uh, frankly, I, I think if, if you're talking about getting into the nonprofit world and, and what we're doing, it had better be a divine calling or you're not going to make it. So God had a call in your life and you followed his call. Yeah. You know, I've got a theory that, that the apostle Paul was really a, a little spiritually deaf because God always comes with a whisper and You've got your option. You can listen to the whisper and you can respond the first time. And if you keep on going the way that you're going and ignore the call of God, you wind up face down in the mud blind. (laughs) So you, you, you can do it the easy way or you can do it the hard way. Basically, I just in a spiritual walk over the years, I've learned to identify the call of God. And and so. And by the way, I, I, I wrote this book that's available on Amazon, Stories from the Shelter. So the question that you ask is actually chapter one of the book. And I think chapter one is about 20 pages long. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I, I went to your website, and I, I might say this might be an anthem for the rescue mission it says we are a community dedicated to giving our neighbors a hand up, not just a handout. Could you expand on that statement as it relates to your the mission and purpose of the rescue mission? Sure. We're here to rebuild lives. Now, if we're going to rebuild lives, what it means is I have to give you the capacity to sustain yourself. And it's teaching a man to fish instead of just giving away fish. If, if we're going to give away fish and require nothing in return, then 
I'm going to be busy as I can be because the line's going to be around the block that this guy's giving away fish. But that really doesn't help you rebuild your life. We have a vocational rehab program. We have a drug and alcohol treatment program. And we're here to rebuild lives. And, and we do it around the gospel. Yes, I like that you do it around the gospel. Since you have moved into your new facility in 2016, is that correct? Yeah, September 2016, we moved in. You all have implemented some new programs. Can you talk about some new programs that you have implemented? Are, you, are some future programs that you will implement? I'm always looking at, at ways to make it better. What, what can you build different? What can you do differently to help reach more people? The, the latest one is Hallelujah BBQ. And our vocational rehab program, since I've been here at the Rescue Mission, I came in 1997. So I've been here quite a while. But we implemented a vocational rehab program all the way back in 2002. And it, it was, you know, the idea is, is let's get people back to work. Let's create opportunities. We have people coming to the rescue mission. Of course, they're homeless. They've been beaten up, beaten down. They've been told they can't do anything. Our task is to pick them up and shake them off and say, yes, you can do something. You, you are uh, created in the image of God. You have infinite talents that God has provided to you. My task is to prove it to you that you have talents, show you what those talents are, because you don't believe in yourself right now. So it's, um, you know, a little challenge picking folks up. Well, at the old site, when we were over on Paisano on the west side of downtown, we had a furniture factory. It was an industrial complex. We actually took over a facility that back in the 1950s had been the Texas Cotton Seed Oil Company. And so I had, had buildings there that were constructed as a cotton seed oil refinery. We, we were able to acquire these buildings on the cheap. So then the thought is, okay, that's nice. You bought all this real estate. What are you going to do with it? And I had wood shop back when I was in eighth grade. I did pretty well at it. And it, the previous business that had been there was a furniture manufacturer. And I knew that, that woodworking is extremely therapeutic. To, to start off with a splintery piece of wood and in the end turn it into a fine piece of furniture that customers are willing to pay their money for, that really helps someone's self-esteem. It, it picks people up. We were running a little business. We had a web page, and, and uh, I'd go to, say, the conventions for the American Camping Association, and our, our best-selling product was the bunk bed. So we started out just making things for our own use. We made wooden bunk beds, and then we started selling the bunk beds to anyone else that wanted solid wood, indestructible equipment, furniture. So you go into a furniture store, you're looking for bunk beds. Most of the bunk beds you find were made for kids and, and they're flimsy. They don't work in a shelter setting. They don't work in a summer camp setting. So we were making furniture for those folks. And then along comes Texas Department of Transportation and says, you know, 
this beautiful site you have right here is exactly where Loop 375 needs to go. And so they take us out through eminent domain, level the furniture factory. It's not there anymore. And, and then I, I've got to think, well, all right, we've got to have a new vocational rehab program. What can we do? And I did a, a few quick calculations and figured up that if I was going to recreate the furniture factory, the building alone would cost me $2 million. So we had some money that TxDOT had paid. Well, our, our choices are uh, I can rebuild a factory for $2 million or I can put that money into housing and, and be able to take care of more people. So we didn't think about it very long. So what else are we going to do? Well, a little brainstorming. And I'm thinking at least in, until the pandemic hit, there were tons of jobs available in the food service industry. Every restaurant was begging for more waiters and waitresses. I love to eat. I love to cook. So, you know, in a way, this thought process translates through other nonprofits. And think about what assets that you have. And the assets being not only your physical structures, your capacities, but your human resources wealth. The, the talents that your people have. And how can you take those talents, those resources, and turn it into some type of social enterprise business that supports the ministry that you're trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. So I figured, well, I have been a student of Central Texas barbecue for over 40 years. There is not good barbecue in this area, so we can both meet a business need we can create a, a business that will provide jobs for people who are homeless here at the rescue mission. And another thing that we were trying to do and, and did the, the same thing with the furniture factory is I, I will not do cheap. So everything the furniture factory cranked out was absolute top of the line, excellent quality. And what I'm trying to do there is to change the world's perception of who homeless people are. Yes. So you, you talk to, to typical Joe Q citizen, and he says, well, homeless people, those are those bums on the street corner panhandling. And the fact of the matter is that they, some of them may be homeless. Some of them may have an economical apartment, and they're just trying to supplement their Social Security check. But whatever, that that is a small percentage of the homeless population that we see. So in the furniture factory, I, I was creating a product that we would market. And here is a first quality product. And the purchaser looks at it and says, wow, look at the quality of this thing. It's made of solid oak. It's absolutely beautiful. The finish is perfect. You're telling me homeless people made this? Well, okay, I guess the idea I had about homeless people is all wrong. So we can change society's mindset by the things that we're doing. And we're doing the same thing now with Hallelujah BBQ. So we start out with a catering business, and we're able to employ people to serve in the catering business, employ people to prepare the food, And being a vocational rehabilitation program, my sermon to them is, 
if you are going to succeed in life, then you will make the absolute best product and provide the best service that the customer has ever experienced, or you're not going to make it. That's the way to succeed. And if anybody ever leaves one of our events and says, that was pretty good barbecue, that, that's almost as good as the place down the street, then you're a failure. Because why wouldn't they just go to the place down the street? So whether it's the beans, the potato salad, the green chili all gratin potatoes, the cornbread, the, the smoked brisket, the turkey, the sausage, the baby back ribs, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry just thinking about, especially that the baby back ribs and uh, the potato salad. I'm getting hungry. I haven't eaten yet either. <laughs> for for every one of those dishes, I, I tell the kitchen crew, you're going to make that the very best potato salad that you've ever tasted. And if that is not the very best potato salad, if somebody can come to you and say, this restaurant down the street has a better potato salad than you do then we're going to take the potato salad off the menu. We're not going to offer it. And we're going to go back to the drawing board and we're going to work on it, perfect it until we have the very best potato salad you've ever tasted. And then we'll put it back on the menu. So that thought process pervades the whole business and that helps people succeed. So we've been doing it as a catering business. As, as I said from the beginning, this is a divinely inspired Christian ministry. So I, I really believe God guides us through the things that we're, we're doing. And when Texas Department of Transportation took away our old facility, then we make the move to the other side of downtown El Paso. We're able to get a much larger usable space. We have two city blocks right now. And one of those city blocks came with an old building on the corner of Cotton and Olive Street that goes all the way back to, we think, about 1917. And it was originally constructed as a clubhouse for trolley car workers. It's right across the street from the old trolley car barn. And that building is absolutely perfect for the dining room for a restaurant. It had been boarded up for 35 years. We have rehabbed the building. It's got a new roof on it. We had to do some structural work, built new trusses, installed those. The, the dining room portion of it is almost finished. Then we'll build a dining patio in back and then have a kitchen and restrooms built right behind the old building. So that will be the Hallelujah BBQ restaurant. And when the restaurant is open, then, of course, I can expand the employment opportunities from a handful to a couple of dozen. So that's exciting. So transitioning from your previous location to your new location was actually a blessing in disguise. It was more than a blessing in disguise. And in fact, the, the truth is God told me we were moving before TechStop did. Hmm. So I, I knew it would be a lot of work, but it would be very well worth it. And it has been. It's been a blessing. Okay. We know money is tight for our whole country right now with job loss up in the millions. Has this affected the rescue mission and do you foresee it affecting your, your new plans for the organization? It's interesting when the pandemic first hit, 
and and I'd say, in, in fact, it, it hadn't really hit yet in this part of the country. New York was having severe problems, and and there were maybe a half dozen cases in El Paso. But then here comes the stay-at-home order. Businesses are, are shut. Initially, the contributions to the rescue mission absolutely plummeted. And then, just an amazing thing, a lot, well, first of all, I tell you, need to tell you about the support for the rescue mission. We do not receive any government funding. So all of the support that we have comes from contributions from people who care about the ministry we have. We will write a newsletter once a month. We mail that out to our supporters. And folks like you may mail in a check for $20 or $100, or maybe they'll buy a couple of pounds of our barbecue brisket. And, and that's how we, we're supported. Well, when, when the news of the pandemic comes and here is the shutdown and, and all of a sudden a lot of businesses are, are closed, then the immediate effect was probably a 50 or 60% drop in our revenue. That lasted for about two weeks. And then when people started seeing this, this was going to go on and the ministry that the rescue mission is doing is even more important now, then actually we started getting contributions from places that I did not expect. And, and I give you an example. There's a, a foundation out of San Antonio that was created to honor the founders of Whataburger. And I love Whataburger. Don't mind. I love Whataburger. Whataburger. <laughs> oh, we all. We all love Whataburger. Uh, cheeseburger, yeah. Well, I get this envelope from someone in San Antonio. I've never heard of them before. I did not submit an application to them. I didn't even know they existed. And there's a check on the inside for $25,000 and they said, in, in this time that we have now, we know you need this. Here you go. God bless you. Wow. And so we, we, we've had things pick up like that. And really, you know, I, I've been at this now 23 years, and I've learned a lot of lessons. And, and one of the lessons that I've learned is not to worry about the money. That is not my job to worry about the money. Now, it is my job to spend it very carefully for the right purposes and to make it go a long way. But how it comes in is not my job. That is God's job. So, God, you do your job. I'll do my job. If I try to do God's job, that's a very stupid thing. <laughs> I, I can't do God's job. So, it's, I think back to the story of Peter stepping out of the boat and the storm is raging all around him and he steps out of the boat and he keeps his eyes on Jesus. And as long as he had his eyes on Jesus, he can walk on the water. But as soon as he takes his eyes away and he looks at the storm, he sinks like a rock. Now, that's exactly what happens in a nonprofit ministry. As long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, then the keeping the boat afloat is God's problem. It's not my problem. So have faith and let God do God's job. Let God do God's job. 
With that being said, let's talk about from your book, Stories from the Shelter, a lawyer's ministry with God's children who are homeless. In your book, you talk about some frustrations or challenges from the nonprofit executive director's point of view. Tell us about some frustrations and how did you overcome those frustrations? You know, we're, we're in the business of changing people's lives. Okay, that's a challenge. I can look at your life, whoever is walking into the mission, and, and I, I can look at this person and I can say, oh, you need help. A lot of times that person doesn't think they need help. And our role is to give you the opportunity to create a better life for yourself. Now, frequently you encounter people that, and, and particularly in addictions, and if you know anything about addiction recovery, recovery doesn't happen until a person reaches bottom. They, they have to reach bottom, and, and bottom I would define as this is the point when my life is so bad that I am willing to do anything to change. I am willing to turn around. And until you get to that bottom, then you're not going to change things. And I can look at a person and I can say, well, surely you're at bottom now. But if they're not, then I'm probably wasting my time. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that, that becomes frustrating. And, and bottom line, if you look at, at changing people's behavior. The only person in the world that I have the capacity to change their behavior is myself. I can't change your behavior. (laughs) And you have to be the one to change your own behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, then you look at at people where they are and, and why they've become homeless, how they've become homeless. Is it lack of economic opportunity? Is it mental disability? Well, physical disability even. You know, we've certainly had the situation, I had a man not too long ago that had diabetes and his leg was amputated. And, And he had to live in a wheelchair for a while until the leg healed. And then he had to learn to walk on, on a artificial leg. So, it was a process of rebuilding him until he could re-enter the workforce. Well, that, that's great. That's a minority. The majority of people that are homeless are homeless because they've made a whole lot of bad decisions. So, you know, what's the answer to that? I've got to change the decision-making process that you have. Now you're talking long-term rehabilitation one step at a time, and progress does not come quickly, but if you lead by example, you teach, you love people, you love them where they are, and, and in the process, you show them a better life, and, and then frequently, I'll, I'll get people that, that come right out and say it to me, of, why are you being so nice to me? <laughs> so. And, and then you have the opportunity to say, well, 
God loves you and I do too, because I've got the love of Jesus within me. And, and I want to, re- I want to help you help yourself. Love God, love God, God's people. Yep. Amen. You see how this work is so much more fun than being a lawyer? (laughs) I see it. I see it. I see it. So if you could share one piece of advice to a nonprofit executive, what what would that advice be? You've got to be, particularly in this time, you've got to be very, very flexible with your business model. And it, it is probably the case that the things that we did in our business, our ministry, our nonprofit, even our for-profit business, the things that we did a year ago, two years ago, are not going to work going forward. So our task then is, is to try to envision how the world is changing, how people's needs are changing. And to shift our resources now to meet the needs that are going to be coming six months, 12 months down the road. Now, here's another thing. Uh, Shift a little bit on on that advice. A nonprofit business model is not all that different from a for-profit business model. Now, now here is, is the difference, though. And the important factor is communication with your donors. Who is supporting this ministry? And, and I'll give you an example. If, if back in my younger days when I was skinny and could eat anything, I love Bluebell ice cream. Okay, I can go down to the grocery store and I can buy Bluebell ice cream. And I can eat that Bluebell ice cream. Now, I am the purchaser of the product but I am also the consumer of the product. So I eat the Bluebell ice cream, I receive the feedback of how good this ice cream is, and I wanna go buy more. In the nonprofit model, the purchaser of the product is not the consumer of the product. The purchaser of the product is the donor that wants to give their resources to help people in need but they don't see the, the, the product that is given to the person in need. Well, your task as a nonprofit leader is to constantly communicate back to the donor how good that product was, how successful it was, and how many lives they helped. Yes. So you need to, to, to show them this is how far your dollars are going. That's right. This is the difference we're making in the lives of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, ha- I have two more questions. I want you to end this sentence for me. My journey will not be complete in the rescue mission if. If I could not be ministering the gospel to people in need. You know, I, I, I was good at practicing law. Uh, I, I had a lot of business. At, at one point, I was representing a trucking company out of Iowa, and we, I did the litigation for all their truck accidents west of the Mississippi. I had plenty of work, but I was not doing anything of eternal value. 
I now have the opportunity to change people's lives by showing them the love of Christ. That's what floats my boat every day. That, that's what gets me out of bed. And, and it may be I'm getting out of bed to do some specific function, like season the brisket and put it on the smoker at 4 a.m. Yeah. But whereas I'm, I'm just, I'm actually putting brisket on, on the smoker, what I'm really doing is creating a new life for somebody at the mission who's going to be serving that brisket and selling that brisket, I am creating the economic opportunity for another person to succeed. It's it's keeping your eye on that overall most important thing. And of, of course, if you can, if you're the individual in the nonprofit that can marry your personality with the, the ministry of the nonprofit that you have, well, then, you know, life is fun. You're, you're not working a single day. You can't wait to get to work and bless more people. Now, I saw on your website, I know that we talked about funding, which you said $20 can help. But you also put on there another way that you can help, volunteering. We know volunteers can help. But the other thing that I really want to highlight is praying. How can you help our organization? You said fun, volunteer, and prayer. And I really, really want, tell us about prayer. And I know that you went to ministry school, and I I think you have a word for it for us. It, prayer to me is like taking an electrical appliance with a cord and plugging it into the electrical socket. You are connecting with the power source. Also, you know, I see with my own eyes. I, I have a very limited view as to what's going on. If I can plug into God's power source and and plug into God's unlimited vision of not only where we are right now, but where we are going, and spend time in prayer, and learn to listen, and receive God's direction, then we're going in the right right way. And, and I'm utilizing resources efficiently, and I'm building up the institution the way God wants it to be built up. If, on the other hand, even though I, I went to school for a long time, I, I've got a lot of knowledge floating around in there for whatever purpose, but I'm acting on my own human instincts when I'm doing something, I'm probably going in the wrong direction. So as well-intentioned as, as that all may be, if you're going in the wrong direction, you're wasting your time. Mm-hmm. So can you just say a prayer for our for our country right now before we end this podcast. I'd be delighted to. Dear Lord, we we are in a midst of turmoil. We are probably more divided as a nation than we have ever been maybe since the Civil War. Lord, we need your healing. We need your blessing. We need your guidance. And we need your leadership in government. Help us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Amen. So it has been such a pleasure, Blake, to have you on our podcast, just sharing, you know, the mission of the rescue mission and Thank also you. your story. And I really appreciate you sharing your story and your testimony. How to reach out to, to the rescue mission through donations, through volunteer, through prayer. That will all be in our show notes. With that being said, we want to continue. And um, it says here, carry each other's burdens, Galatians 6 and 3. We will continue to do that. We would just like to say thank you again for being a part of our podcast. You're welcome. God bless you. It's fun. Each week to learn about a nonprofit's journey by subscribing to Talking Nonprofits wherever you receive your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And as always, if you have any questions or would like to be featured on the show, send a note via the contact form on our website. Until next time, be the difference.